can, can you hear me now? Wait. <laughs> Shit. No, I really, I really wish that would happen. But you know, sometimes you just gotta. You know, I'm I'm happy to you know I'm honored to share this uh, this first real technical issue with you, Michael. It was great. <laughs> it's the honor goes both ways. <laughs> it's better than well, me. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> well, uh, so we'll we'll just pretend that none of that happened, and we'll just start fresh. And uh, the question that I like to start these interviews with, because the world is crazy, Michael. We all know the world is crazy. Uh, how are you? Genuinely, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for asking. And uh, damn it, so I'm far recording. so good. Son of a and you're not recording. Bart, I've asked you not to whistle that annoying tone. again to Simpsons is greater than a podcast where we take a look at the cultural impact of all those yellow spiky haired overbite having characters that we all love the Simpsons as always I'm your host Warren better known to some of you as Bart of Darkness you might have seen my Simpsons collection on Instagram or Twitter. Be honest, it's great, isn't it? Go ahead and say it's great if you want to. But if you haven't seen it, I promise I'm not taking it personal. But if you could just go check it out when you're done with this episode, it would really mean a lot to me. This week on the podcast, I have Michael Polcino. And Michael has been a longtime member of the Simpsons staff since way back in season two. He's coming up on 30 years with the show. 30 years. He's been a character layout artist. He's been an animation timer. He's a director currently. He's done it all. So how about I stop talking, we start the episode, and you hear these awesome stories from Michael. Episode 28. Let's go. I knew this was bound to happen eventually. This is my favorite but... kind of shit. <laughs> Well, the thing is, I hit record in the Zoom call, but I forgot to record my separate audio. Got it. Uh, so maybe I'll just use a clip of that at the beginning, especially me saying, shit, I'm not recording. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> the very first episode of this podcast was with Yardley Smith, and I literally tried to do the intro live with her on the call, which I did, but I had already recorded some interviews before hers. But I was like, yo, welcome back to the podcast. And I was like, damn it, this is the first episode. I can't say that. And she's like laughing. I just put the whole thing at the front. It's really fun. <laughs> so I, I enjoy that sort of thing as well. Um, after after all is said and done, then you have to do another podcast on teaching people how to do podcasts. <laughs> that actually, you know, I've I've joked with a friend that it would be really funny. I'm sure there is one. I'm sure there's a podcast about podcasts. Sure, sure, but but you have <laughs> to but you to have be. to do it like completely ineptly. <laughs> well, like you're if, trying if anybody, to, you're you're like you're running the uh, you're you're the uh, you know last word on podcast, but you can't get anything right. <laughs> <laughs> if if anybody uh, can name a better icebreaker than just like everything you're doing being a huge 
uh, error and, or fucking up all the recording and all the Zoom call. Uh, I don't know what it is. So, Well, that's how most marriages start in movies. <laughs> that's true, actually. The guy or the girl completely screws up the, the, first, the first meeting and then you're ready to go. <laughs> you're like, that's the girl for me. <laughs> Everything I said was horrible. The classic meet cute. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, well, we're, you know, no one has to know this, but I'll just mention it anyway. This is take three of the beginning of this episode with my new friend, Michael Polcino, and I like to start these episodes three times, apparently, by asking Michael, how are you? This world is, the world is crazy right now. How are you? We are surviving wonderfully. We love it. We love this whole version of the apocalypse. <laughs> Well, you know, somebody's got to love it because uh, I am starting to get a little tired of it. But I, I like that positivity, Michael. We like to pretend that we're like in a spaceship because you can't really go out. It's sort of like that. But but you have all your shit. All your stuff is with you. You're like, yeah. how? how and, <laughs> and people keep bringing you food at your front door. Yeah. My, my, my wife and I joke that I've really, uh, it's been way too easy to rely on Grubhub and things like that during this, because then, you know, it just comes right to your door so conveniently. Yeah, it's just, it's it's too nice, I will say. It's too, this is a great apocalypse. <laughs> I mean, you know, as far as it goes, we're having a lot of fun. And look, a lot of people are hurting, and I do have to say, um, I'm sorry for that. And that's the bad side of this. And uh, in truth, this has been the worst year of most of our lives. You know, I have a, a right. seven-year-old. She's going to school at the kitchen table every day. You know, it's 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 a crying shame. But as apocalypses go, it's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of negatives. So I, I, you know, I think the the running theme is that we're all just trying to focus on what positive uh, we can. And you know, for me, that's been this podcast and uh, getting to sit down and talk to to people like you, Michael. So. I'm going to keep doing that as uh, as long as I can. Good deal. Well, so to anyone that doesn't know Michael, uh, he's been working on The Simpsons in some capacity for several years now. He's directed a ton several. of episodes. <laughs> uh, what I really want to know, let's strip it down. When did you first realize that you liked to draw? How did you get into to art? Well, I started drawing when I was about four years old, and uh, it was just kind of a natural thing. I come from an artistic family. My father could draw really well. He was in uh, advertising. My, both my brother and I both used to draw just to uh, compete with each other for our parents' love, um, <laughs> I have to say. And, you know, it worked. I Like I usually ate more than he did because I was older, so I could draw better <laughs> for a while. And then for a while I didn't, and he got better and, you know, back and forth. But it was good. It was a good start. We had um, animation books at home. We watched a lot of... Warner Brothers cartoons. Um, so animation was always like a huge thing to us. And for me, I really got serious about wanting to be in animation with uh, Mike and Spike's animation festivals. Hmm. I don't know if you're aware of those, but uh, there was a guy named Mike and Spike. He wasn't one guy. He was two guys. Never mind. Um, <laughs> these guys would go around from city to city and they would hand out flyers and they would show animation like they'd have this two-hour program with sh animated shorts from like russia and from canada and um 
just some really brilliant stuff. And it just really sparked our imagination that you could like, you could be really artistic with this and, and bring it to other places. Wow. Um, other levels, I should say. Um, and the Canada stuff really always triggered me. And I, as a kid, I always thought I'm going to be, I have to go to Canada and work for the national film board of Canada. That was like the, the icing on the cake for life. It would have been. Um, and then as I got older, I realized that Canada doesn't really want me. <laughs> oh, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that, Michael, but I think things turned out. Okay. <laughs> so far, so good. <laughs> 30 more years. That's what I'm, I'm hoping we do 30 more years. Yeah. And which reminds me, I want to say, you know, as of yesterday, we found out that the Simpsons uh, was renewed for seasons 33 and 34. And I want to say congratulations on that. I'm very excited for that. Thank you. I'm so excited too. It's been a long run. Who would have thought that, that the show would get to that point? I, uh, this is, we're recording this in uh, early March, 2021. And, um, in, on the 15th of next month will be my 30th anniversary on the show. Wow. It's crazy. A lot of my life. I've, a lot of your life, which is, it's, it's nuts. Um, well, you know, I, this is something that I, I should ask people more. So I'm going to start with you on this, uh, <laughs> outside of the Simpsons and other projects that you work on, uh, what are some of your other hobbies, Michael? What are some things that you like to do other than just draw and animate? Well, I I have a pretty serious hobby. I play uh, stand up bass. Wow! Um, and I play both. I play in an orchestra. I play in the Santa Monica Symphony, which I've been wow. playing with them for um, about twenty three years. And I also play a lot of uh, jazz, like straight ahead jazz, like with with my my phone is going off. <laughs> Let me start <laughs> by turning that piece of crap off. Yeah, we're just gonna. I'm just gonna leave that in at this point. I'm just gonna uh, leave it in. <laughs> thank God. Thank God. It's my wife. If anybody wants to know. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I play uh, in a band called the Jazz Punks, um, where we put a record out about uh, eight years ago that went to number one on the CMJ charts, which was pretty exciting. Wow. We did a lot of like mash. There was like a lot of mashups where we'll do like a a Miles Davis song mashed up with a clash song or something like that. Wow. That's really, really cool. I don't, I, I can't believe that I wasn't able to find this about you on the internet. So maybe I'm just really bad at looking up facts because <laughs> I didn't know that. That's really cool. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. And, but you know, the, the band broke up a few years ago and now I'm doing kind of uh, a lot of trio stuff with piano players trying to do kind of like a Bill Evans trio type of deal. Really cool. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. You know, I, I wish I had something cool like that. I mean, I have been in some bands uh, but you know, these days I, I think really the only things that I have gotten super into, especially over the last year are hot sauce. And, uh, <laughs> I've also, I've always liked coffee, but I've gotten really into coffee, uh, even more so than, than ever. Uh, so yeah, it's not more as cool as, as that. The hot sauce has gotten taken over by the coffee. No, I've just, I've just gotten more into both over this last year, which is really, uh, interesting hot sauce. Uh, you know, I don't know why I'm taking this off on a hot sauce tangent. I don't know if any of my listeners feel me on this, but <laughs> I feel like, uh, I've eaten some really hot sauces over the last year and, uh, now nothing is hot enough for me anymore. And I feel like I'm chasing the dragon. <laughs> uh, so I, you know, maybe something's wrong with me. Oh man, maybe. <laughs> well, I bet you have very clear sinuses though. I do. I do. And maybe, maybe I should get into competitive <laughs> hot sauce eating, which is a thing, but we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about Michael. 
so when I, you know, when I talk to people who've been on the show for a long time and you said your 30th anniversary is coming up, uh, I like to ask, you know, what brought you to the Simpsons and, uh, what do you remember about your first day there? Ah, couple good questions. Um, what brought me there? I mean, I had a long road to getting into animation because when I got out of high school, um, I, I wanted to, I, right away, I was like, I'm going. I, I got my, put a little portfolio together with my little flip books that I used to do <laughs> and a couple of like realistic drawings of women and, and things like that, pencil drawings. And I, and I got my old uh, 66 Mustang and I was going to drive up to Disney and hand him my hand him this thing. And it was, that was going to be it. I was, that was like, I knew they're going to hire me on the spot and I'm going to, it's going to be fantastic. <laughs> and so I went on this trek to get there and, um, with no, like, I didn't call up to get a, an appointment, to get an interview or anything. I just, cause I was, you know, I was like 18 years old, had no idea, no clue. Um, right. and I just thought I had the greatest portfolio ever. And I, <laughs> I knew I had this old animation book on that said that the, uh, the man named Donald Duckwall was running the animation department. I don't know if you knew that, but <laughs> back in the, uh, in the seventies and early eighties, that's who ran it. it was, that was his real name, Donald Duckwall. Wow. And uh, wow. so I'm like, I'm going to go up, I'm going to ask for Donald and it's going to be great. So I, I got in my car and my car was so old and crappy that basically it broke down every 10 miles. And I was living <laughs> in San Diego. So I started off in the morning and every 10 miles and I had about 18 gallons of water in the back and I would have to open up the hood when it broke down and I would have to pour water on the top of the, of the radiator, open the radiator up, fill, fill it up, close it back down, get the next 10 miles. It would overheat. I would continuously like pulling off on the freeway. And I ended up wow. getting there at about five to six, like right at the end of the day. I went into the office. I got in. It was fantastic. And I handed the, the receptionist my, my portfolio. And she goes, and she's like, well, let me go see if I can show it to him. And so she, she goes, and I'm waiting in there for like a half an hour, just like on pins and needles. And she comes back and she goes, she hands it back to me respectfully. And she says, go to CalArts. <laughs> <laughs> like that was her, that was it. Like go to CalArts and then come back. Wow. And I was like, okay. And you know, at that, at that point, I didn't really have the, the means to go to CalArts, which is about as expensive as Harvard. Right. Um, so I got into advertising for like 10 years, went into advertising business and um, I became an advertising director, like very young. I was like 24 when I got my first advertising director job. And so as I was doing this, I knew that that's not where I wanted to be in life. Right. You know, I knew that this animation thing was going to get me. And um, so after a while, I started doing advertisements like, you know, like I would shoot an ad for Levi's for the, sh the store I was working mm. for. And then I was, I was like, you know what I could do is I, because I'm the advertising director, I could start to try to edge myself into the animation world. So I would, I would do a couple of little animation things. I did something for Taylor made golf clubs down in San Diego, um, my own little things. And then to moving forward, I was like, I'm going to have to do more of this. And one of the things I did was I started, um, putting on seminars for uh, like as a promoter, I promoted a seminar for animation people. And we did it at the same place where they were doing the spike and Mike 
um, festival every year at the uh, La Jolla Art Museum. Mm. Anyway, so I would hire I hired some people to come down and uh, um, and speak. Like I got the the president of the animation union, who I've forgotten her name at this point. I had um, Jerry Bryce, which who was a good friend of mine, um, who worked on uh, the Family Dog. Uh, Bruce Smith came down and spoke. Who um, worked on Dragon Slayer, and he was just an amazing animator. Wow. I had at one point, yeah. So I would bring these people down for like a day and we would just, we would show cartoons and, and, and gab about animation. And, um, and then after that, I said, well, what if I took some of these people that came to this and we started a training program. So we opened up a little animation school in San Diego under the flight path of the uh, airport. And every weekend I would have like Jerry Bryce would come down and teach. And I had a couple other Cal Arch people come down and teach. Um, and we just have like all day, all weekend classes. And that's kind of how I learned to animate is I just, I took my classes. I would just, anything <laughs> that the, the students were doing, I was in the back doing it as well. Um, does that answer any question that you asked? It was it, it, it absolutely does. And I, I got to tell you, that's all really, really interesting. And, uh, you know, you're, you know, maybe I didn't just, maybe I didn't dig deep enough into certain parts of the internet, but there's a lot of interesting stuff about you, Michael, that I could not find. So I'm really glad that you brought the info that I couldn't bring. Um, and it's really nice to know some of that. Well, I, I'd be interested to find out what is on there because I didn't know anything was on there. I'm sure there <laughs> must be some little tidbits about me, I guess. There's um, a few things, but not not none of this. So I'm happy to be, you know, I'm happy to share this with people that, that need to know it. It's very cool. Oh, cool. <laughs> so I, advertising was really driving me crazy because it was, there was a lot of like really kind of dark bastards that I that I did not like working for. I didn't like what they were. They were trying to skew reality to, to benefit themselves financially. And so I said, I'm going to get out of this. And just around that time, <laughs> this is the nepotism part of the story. <laughs> my brother had started working on the Simpsons during the second season um, as an assistant director. And uh, he said, well, Mike, why don't you do a test? So I'm like, what? What? Of course, I'll do a test. So I did the test. Of course, I, I spent some time on it, and then they hired me. But it, the job wasn't actually going to start for a little while. So um, in the meantime, I had taken another test for a, um, a company in San Diego that was doing the Attack of the Killer Tomatoes mm. TV show that yeah, lasted yeah. one or two seasons. I think two seasons. Yeah. This show they were doing. It was interesting because this was we're talking about 1990, and they were. This was before Flash, but they were kind of trying to create building blocks of what later became Flash. Mm -hmm. And what they were doing is they were taking the the tomato characters and they were creating a turnaround of them so that they could plug it in. And this is at every single direction of the head. And then they did the same thing with the human characters. They would do hands, do every little angle that could be thought of. And then they created puppets. And wow. we were right. We were actually drawing these. This was before we had um, Cintiqs, but we were using what was called a puck. So it was more, um, it was more accurate than the mouse. It got your every single. So you would learn to you would do brush strokes. It was like a mouse, but it was called a puck, and it was on a, on a on a pad. Oh, okay. And uh, so we, but I just we I worked the night shift, 
and we would just do heads turning like all day long, just like figuring <laughs> that out. And then uh, I did a couple of scenes where I did some like splash effects and little stuff like that. But that, I got a little, my feet wet a little bit before I moved to LA. And then uh, that's when I basically started. Wow. 91. Wow. Yeah, it's it's wild. And, you know, I, I always find it interesting, like doing these episodes of the podcast. Like, I, I think it's cool to see how many people that work on the show in any way, a lot of them start doing this and then they do this and they do that. And they have a whole array of things that they do on the show. And uh, I always like hearing how that they how they build up to where they are in the end. So uh, <laughs> now here we are 30, 30 years later. Now you had two questions. Did I ever get to the second one? Um, oh, it was, uh, <laughs> it was, what do you remember about your first day on the show? My first day on the Simpsons was kind of interesting because, you know, my brother already worked there and, um, he was, uh, so I, at least I had one friend there who, you know, my brother. And, um, so I do remember <laughs> my first day, which was very odd because at the, towards the end of the day, a lot of the people and everyone, we were all young back then. Wes Archer was there and Wes Archer mm -hmm. for me was like, I knew who he was because I knew my brother had told me this is like, you know, he, I, I, I had known him from Jack Mack and Radboy. Oh, wow. Do you remember that? His short that he did? I found out about it after the fact, but yeah, that's really cool. It was his college short and it's, it's, it's mind blowing. And I had seen it in festivals and I was just like, and I'm like, I'm like going to get to go work with this guy. And so we end up there and I don't even know if Wes would even remember any of this stuff, but at the end of the day, everyone was like, well, we're going to go to this um, uh, film festival tonight. You want to go with us? And I'm thinking, Oh, I'm like, Oh man, great. We're like, in, I'm in Hollywood. We're going to a film festival with <laughs> Wes Archer. You know, this is fantastic. And uh, so we end up going to this film festival and it's, it's kind of a small thing, small deal, like in this big old brick building somewhere in Hollywood. And, um, and I'm happened to get seated right next to Wes Archer. And it's, you know, there, it's like, a, I would have to say, I can't remember what the film festival was called, but it was very low level stuff. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, this was not the cream of the crop. This was not Sundance. And uh, so, but one of the films about three or four films in, it's this black and white documentary about women having orgasms. <laughs> okay. And that's, and it's all, it's, it's done. It's very clinical the way it's presented, but I, and I won't go into all the detail because I don't know how many kids listen to this or people, by the way. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I'm, who, who knows really, but I'll, I'll never forget having basically this had like graphic, like, scenes of of women doing each other and all this like it was like basically a documentary porn and i was mortified i was like <laughs> i don't want to watch this with my with next to wes archer <laughs> like what are you like look or like hey how you doing are you enjoying this <laughs> this is good stuff huh so um anyway that was that was my my only serious memory of that day was ending up in that position wow wow that's 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 so wild. I mean, you know, Wes has been on the podcast. I'm a huge uh, fan of of Wes, and you know, just I, I think there are are few people uh, like it's it's wild to me. You know, talking to other directors from the show and hearing, you know, people normally do you know two three episodes a season. There were seasons where Wes did like six seven episodes. It's just insane 
uh, to think at how much work he was putting in yeah. uh, in those early days and how, Im- how important that work was to the show uh, and the way we know it. So I, I do think it's cool to put a, another spotlight on that. Yeah. No, I'm a big fan of his. Always have been. Nah, he's, he's great. Well, you know, one thing that, that is a bit of a deep question that I like to, to get a take from people like you, Michael, is what do you think has made the Simpsons last this long? You've been there 30 years. What do you think keeps it around? You know, there's no one thing. Absolutely. There's, there is, um, there's a, definitely there's a dedication. You have a cast that is mind blowing. Like I'll never forget the first time I went to a table read and you, when you get in this room, it's this big giant room, long table and everyone's talking away and there's there's a lot lot of loudness in the room. And and then everyone sits down, quiet down. And at this time, I think Al Jean was, um, he would do uh, the, he would read the descriptions in between the scenes and Dan Castellaneta or Yardley or any of them, as soon as they spoke with no microphone, their, their voices are just like so commanding. They, They have such, they have such an understanding of that their their instrument boom it's 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 literally like you're listening to microphones aside from the fact that i think that every time they interpret the show it's it brings it up it's yeah. just there you know it's like on cuz i always read the script beforehand I'm like oh this you know it's they're funny scripts they're they're always funny scripts but then when they put it on, it's just like, ah, okay. I see that that could go there. You know, it is yeah. just, there is so much to the interpretation and there, you know, and then you, I've been in times where you see um, Dan Castellaneta doing arguments with himself as grandpa and Homer and where it, and he'll interrupt himself with the other voice, like where it's almost feels like you, did you <laughs> somehow just overlap yourself with your own voice? Like it's, and it's seamless. He, it's like, it's just unbelievable. I mean, it, it just, it makes you just really appreciate them. Uh, and then the writing, you know, they've never taken anything for granted ever. You know, they've always brought in, you know, there's fresh faces, you know, some of the old voices that are still, you know, in the writing room and you've got these new people. And but but, you know, when Al's running it, when Matt Selman is running it, you know, these guys are just, you know, they don't take this B is OK. Right. It's never OK to be a B. And you can tell. And it's so that's that's another reason. And I think, you know, the third thing is that the animation, which has grown, absolutely grown from the beginning, even though like I'm, I've always, always a fan of the, the Tracy Ullman shorts. Sure. Like I just, because I was an, in, I loved the indie stuff, you know, I loved all that, the crazy zany stuff, but <laughs> I think that they made a, a very quick right turn to realizing that to, to have the longevity, they, they modified it in such a way that it felt more like it was in the real world. Right. You know, and I like, there's a charm to those older episodes and the, which I, you know, I'm a huge fan of, but those old, that old style, I don't believe would have lasted 33 years. No. You know, I just, it's it, it, because you would have had fans that stuck with it, but to reach the, the, the market, I think we had to create a world that was, um, like it felt more real. Like when we shoot this, we shoot this now like a movie and we're thinking about um, 
we're thinking as cinematically as we can. And, right. um, and Matt Groening ha- still will c- get involved from time to time. And he'll say like, I'm seeing it going this way. And then all the directors will go, okay, we'll move over here. <laughs> and, you know, like a few years ago, it was because when, when we went to um, the widescreen and the high def, it, we're, we had to look at the details differently. Sure. You know, everything, ha- everything had to come up and we came up in, in, the fineness of the designs and also in the filmmaking because now we're widescreen where it's more like a movie you're you're having to think your frames like that and then also what's great about it is that when we were on a you know a four by three television screen with you know 80 lines per inch or whatever right. the hell it was back then <laughs> um you're you had you had to rely on closer shots and now we can back off a little bit, even with something that has to be read. We can back off because most people have a pretty good sized TV with high def. Almost everybody right. has a high def TV now. Yeah, they're so cheap now. I mean, it's not. Yeah, it's like two hundred dollars, and you get a, a thirty-six inch, you know, TV. And um, yeah, they used to be thousands of dollars. You know? Oh my God! Yeah, but so that has given us a lot of freedom, and it's also taught us a lot to say we are going to you know, we're going to utilize that. We're going, and now um, another thing that's brought us forward, I think animation wise that I really appreciate is we have um, the ability to integrate CG, which, you know, computer animation, sure. which we use, we use it sparingly because we also don't want to make it stand out too much. And we, but at times, like I just did a show that's going to come out uh, probably in May is my guess, where I just got it back um, this week, but we have like a, a Ferris wheel that we created. Wow. And so we, so we have shots of the Ferris wheel from this angle going to this side. And with the help of our CG department, we were able to create these, this thing so that as we're going down, the, the bars are, they change direction all the way down you're flipped to the other side and it's like little bits. So you really feel that you're on this thing going down. Now in the old days, that would have been really difficult to, to create, you know? Oh yeah. And, uh, there's a show that I, that I, we aired, um, on this Sunday that I had directed, which was called Wad Goals written by Brian Kelly. And, uh, Matt Selman was the, uh, producer on that. And, we had these ATVs that run around. I can give this away because it's it's already on TV. <laughs> You're right. But, uh, but we had the, these ATVs that run through the golf course and tear it all up. And we had CG for all that stuff. And so it it just it really helped ground those scenes. And I think uh, you know that that's another thing that I think we've been able to add to the show. And just it's just as the teams grow, we're I think all the directors we are always conscientiously trying to push ourselves, push our acting, push our staging forward to be grander, so to speak. Absolutely. Well, you know, one, one thing that I will say, and this is, you know, I had Rob Oliver on the podcast as well, and Rob was really great. And love that guy. one thing that I noticed talking to people like you and to him uh, is, you know, you guys are all fans of the show. And when, and when everyone that works on something truly loves it and they really are fans of what they're doing, uh, I feel like there's just no way that that it can't be great. And, you know, obviously lots of people care about what they do and some shows don't go the distance. But The Simpsons, I mean, honestly, it really is a, a special mix from top to bottom. And I do believe that that's why it's uh, different in that way. 
No, I agree with you. I, I think that's definitely it shows in the people. It's also, I think that we're like everybody that I know that works on it. There's this sort of element of pinching yourself all the time, you know, because it it is so much bigger than us. You know, it's like when you look at you look around, you're going like, how how did I luck out to be part of this? You know, basically, it's a cultural icon. Right. You know, it's there's no you can't shrink it. It's it's like the the you know, it competes with the Disney, you know, in a lot of ways. Of course, we are Disney now, but absolutely. I mean, there's a competitive like thing where you're like this. This is in if you think we've been around for over 30 years, you know, more than half the planet wasn't born when we started. (laughs) It's crazy to think about that. More than half the planet. Yeah. Like half, more than half the humans that are on this planet were not around when that happened. That's, that's literally (laughs) nuts. And I've never even considered that. That's, that's crazy, Michael. Um, So (laughs) one thing that I do want to talk about is uh, your brother, Dominic was on the show for several years as well. And you actually AD'd under him for a long time. Uh, Tell me a little bit more about that process and and how that prepares you to uh, direct well, every director and assistant director, their relationship is very different. Um, that's one of the interesting things about the show. Um, you, As a director, you kind of decide how you're going to utilize your guy. And a lot of people will, lot, some directors will use them almost as an extra layout hand. They'll say, I'm going to give him the really creamy stuff and then do some re- fixes for me. A, a, a lot of the assistant director work is fixes. Um, it's, you know, if a scene's not working and, you know, let's say the director gave a a sequence of 10 scenes to an artist and it's come back and that artist is kind of behind on things. So I don't want to hand him this back because I still need that other scene from him. Right. So what you'll do is you'll say, okay, I'm going to give a couple of these scenes to my AD. Some directors won't give as many fixes. Some directors will do a lot of the fixes themselves. Um, For me, when I'm directing, I do like a handful of fixes and, uh, but I give, but I, I very rarely give scenes back to people because the machine is going so fast. And I know that if I give it back, it's going to slow the whole thing down. So the assistant director gets a lot of that stuff. Now, why that prepares you is in those days before we were working from home, that person was in the office with you all the time. The, so the, you're with the director and you're seeing the director working with the people all the time. And you see how, how, do, they, how do they pitch a scene to them? Right. Um, and all the directors pitch scenes differently. Some are, some are like, uh, you know, from different people, I will probably pitch differently to. You know, because you have to tell them because you're directing them. So you're saying, I'm going to give you ideas. Some people I'll be like, I want to see what you have to do first, because I don't want to tie their hands with do this and then do this. And then he does this. You know what I'm saying? I just (laughs) but but some arts, some artists, you kind of want to go, Okay, I want five poses. I want this, this and this. And then hopefully they're making a little sketch with you or something like that. Sometimes I'll even act out the scene. Um, uh, like, you know, because it helps to like do the voice, like, 
oh, what are you doing, Marge? You know, is whatever it happens to be, <laughs> you know, it, it, you know, it's like Smithers, you know, you, you'll kind of get into doing the little, the little voices here and there. Um, but um, yeah, you try to get into it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, because <laughs> when you're doing the, 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 the actions, it helps to go, you know, well, sir, you know, it's like just any little kind of thing that helps push the performance. And so with, with working with another director, you kind of get to see them, how they do it. And you're, you're kind of learning their style, but just as, as a student, when you're either in that position or on any of the positions, the, what prepares you the most is being a student is saying, watching the show and saying, what do I like about this sequence? What do I like about that sequence? Because every director, you have to come, like I bumped into Wes and Rich Moore at, at a party a couple of seasons ago, and they were like astounded that I had done, actually directed more shows than they had, I believe. <laughs> I believe so, and I could be wrong, but maybe we were drunk. But <laughs> No, but, I think you're right. I think you are right. But it was like, I felt so embarrassed because you're like, Rich and, and, and Wes, like everything I'm doing started with what you did. You know, you're like, <laughs> you were my, you broke me in. So it's like, I, it's like the number doesn't matter at this point. You guys are like, you know, like you, you fathered this, you know, it's a, it's such a, it doesn't mean anything to me how many shows you did, but, and David, uh, David Silverman as well. Like, you know, those, those guys, and I worked for, Jim Reardon as his timer for many years. And Jim, it was very much a, um, a mentor to me. And if it weren't for Jim, I would never have become a director. And, but wow. a lot of, but like I said, when you're in the position, wherever you are, it's, you have to be a student of it all the time. And I, this is like something I think whatever you're doing, if you're wanting to move up is you have to be a student. And so then when you're in the room with Jim Reardon or something and, and you say, Oh, this screen direction looks off. And then he's going to go, well, how would you fix it? And I go this. And then he's, then it's <laughs> like, uh, then you're suddenly, you're like, I'm thinking like director. And that's the same when I have an assistant director that's working with me, or if I am an assistant director, I, always keep the communication open. And I would say, if you have an idea, let me know what it is because otherwise you're not going to grow. And plus it's, it's, it's ridiculous to think that I can make every single decision. You know? <laughs> right. Well, is. that's, I, I think that's, I think that's good advice for life in general. Uh, you know, like you said, just, uh, you know, be open to learning no matter what situation you're in. Uh, the same could be said for working on a show for 30 years. The same could be said for, you know, doing a podcast. Um, you know, when we started this episode, uh, there were all kinds of, uh, issues <laughs> with the, uh, with the zoom call, none your fault. Uh, and I'm going to take that forward with me and learn from that. So <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you just run into an issue I, I, Hey, it happens though. Absolutely. Well, one thing that doing this podcast and, and that you sort of led me into this question nicely. Uh, one thing doing this podcast has, has shown me is that a lot of people that end up directing and doing other things on the show, uh, you know, they start off as layout artists, animation timers, so many other things. Did you have any idea that you uh, wanted to be a director when you started on the show? I did. I always knew I wanted to be a director. I mean, I part of it is I think, you know, I, when I was in advertising, I was an advertising director. So I always I had always sort of thought of, of myself as somebody who manages a team. Right. Um, and after my first year as a... Um, 
as a, an artist for the show, I went and I co-directed with um, Trish Garcia. We co-directed a 10 or 11 minute film for Dare, mm. Dare America. Yeah. And it was animated. We, we had it animated in Russia. It was a lot of fun. But at that point, that was like only my second year in and I already knew that I wanted to be a director. I wanted to direct. And Trish Garcia went on to be a very good director as well. She went on to direct um, uh, King of the Hill. Mm, yeah. And, um, but it's like, so even at that age, I always, I, I never, and I think that probably helped move me forward because no one ever thought, oh, this is where Mike wants to sit. Right. He, you know, he, he wants to move forward. And uh, I, you know, it was the right time. I was at the right time at the right place because, you know, that's how a lot of it works is you, you just, hopefully you're ready when it happens <laughs> and, you know, and I've enjoyed it ever since, you know? Yeah. Now that's, that's really cool to hear. Since 1998. Crazy. Yeah. That is crazy. <laughs> um, well, so I do, I do want to highlight a few of my personal favorites when it comes to uh, your episodes, but before we do, uh, I do know from looking up stuff about you online that you also did some work for Bongo Comics, uh, where you were credited as Rascally Mike Polcino. Uh, so I guess what I want to know is, are you a rascal, Mike? Are you rascally? I, you know, that is a really a big compliment. Anyone ever called me rascally? I don't think I'm rascally anymore, but I'm <laughs> I'm glad to think that somebody at one point thought I was rascally. <laughs> I think my wife thinks I'm rascally. Oh, hey. Is that you or me? She never calls me. Uh, what, was there some sound? Yeah, it was like buzzing. Uh, I think it's out the window. I I, I needed some air. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think my my uh, my wife never calls me a rascal, though. So I'm going to have to bring that up. I think that's kind of a sore point. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, if, if I were you, I would, I would put rascally Mike Polcino uh, on everything I do from here on out. I think that's definitely a great name. I don't know whose idea that was, but it's great. As long as it's legal, <laughs> I'll do it. I'll start sending my checks. <laughs> <laughs> I, might, I mean, it might just be the name of this episode. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, so, so like I said, I do want to highlight a few of your directed episodes and, you know, any stories that come to mind as, as I bring these up, you know, feel free to, to tell me at length um, your first episode, as far as like directed by credit, uh, was written by the great John Swartzwelder, the Mansion family from season 11, um, where Burns leaves the Simpsons to watch his place while he goes to the Mayo Clinic. Uh, do you, what do you remember about this first one? Were you nervous? You know, I, I don't, I would not, I'm always a little nervous. <laughs> Let's just say that I'm nervous right now. Sure. <laughs> I'm going to say something stupid and they're going to fire me. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but I, I, there's always a little trepidation when you're going into something new, but I don't think it was anything, you know, I knew I had a good team behind me. Um, and, you know, I, I like Jim Reardon was uh, the head director, the supervising director at the time. And I knew that he had my back, which really helped, sure. helped me a lot. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, it was an exciting time. I was, you know, I was happy enough to be on the show, to be honest, even though I always wanted to be a director. Um, they actually had uh, asked me on King of the Hill to direct before that. Wow. Because this was the early part of, this happened at the same time at King of the Hill, which was, um, they were producing in our building. It was also a film Roman um, show. Right. And I was like, I, and I turned it down 
And I, I basically turned it down because I, I, I knew my name was on the list to do The Simpsons and I didn't want to leave. And, you know, The King of the Hill, I, I'm a big fan of their show. I thought they did an so amazing job. For sure. And just just love it. Just love it. And I can't wait to hear the news when they decide to bring it back because they have to. God, my, my fingers, I, I talk about this all the time. I, I want it, I want it yeah. to come back so bad. And, uh, you know, if I had to name a number two, like if the Simpsons didn't exist, uh, it would probably be my favorite show. Love yeah, it. it's fantastic. Mike Judge is amazing too. So for sure. But, um, yeah, so I, I turned it down, which turned out to be a good thing. And then within a couple of months, they, they offered me this. I'd, I'd already jumped to what was called a retake director um, from assistant director at that same year. Um, which was basically when shows come back from Korea, there's little fixes and I was directing those fixes. Um, so it, it, before that time, I was the first retake director. Before that time, the directors would have to do their fixes themselves while they're directing another show. And it was getting wow. a little too heavy for them. And uh, so the the show itself, um, it was a, you know, I had a good storyboard team um, and uh you know, it was a funny show. John Schwarzwelder is just one of the funniest, most talented writers. You have to read some of his uh, of his online books that he puts out. You should, if you haven't read any, it's very entertaining. Man, I got to tell you, you you are the third or fourth person on this podcast to tell me that, and I don't know why I'm slacking so hard. Uh, I <laughs> I've known about these books for years. I've got to get on it. I've got to get. Yeah, on it. yeah. But one of the, the Britney Spears was on the episode. Mm-hmm. And um, so we're talking about 1998. So she'd probably been around for a year, but I, I didn't have any idea who she was. <laughs> so when when they said when they're like, "What well, do you want to go down and and to the record?" and I was like, "I don't know who she is." <laughs> like I'm okay. <laughs> Michael's like, "I don't care," you know. <laughs> yeah, don't. I mean, you know, she had her following, and it wasn't me. <laughs> um, but, uh, anyway, that, you know, it was, it's interesting when you, my, my favorite joke of the whole, that whole episode is, is when, uh, when Lenny is, they're all think they're going to die. And Lenny says something like, I, I, would never tried cantaloupe and, and crust is like, <laughs> honey do's the money melon. I think he's, that's the money melon. <laughs> <laughs> that's the money melon. <laughs> well, you know, the, the episode, it does have some really memorable jokes in it. In fact, I think it probably has uh, two screen grabs that you see, you know, as much as any Simpsons screen grab, which is, you know, Lenny looking serious at the award show and uh, also the doctor shoving the all the different germs through the doorway. I feel like Fantastic, these have yeah. to be two of the most, you know, memed images. So, uh, you know, and they so come the, from this episode. The Lenny, I I did not realize that the Lenny one was uh, memed as well, as you say, because I I actually drew that myself. Wow. Yeah. Like that, that was one that I, I had given it to an animator and I, I, I don't remember who it was. And it was just like, it just, the, the look wasn't, it wasn't there. I knew what it had to be. <laughs> so I, I drew the scene and, and, uh, and here it is years later. I had absolutely no idea that that was, that was so memed. I love it. Love to hear that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Anyone, anyone that's listening to this, uh, when you see that image from now on, think of my, my friend, Michael, uh, that is, uh, I see that left all the time. Uh, when people are just like, I mean, I see it used for a wide array of things. So it's a very popular image. I'm going to have to get it. Yeah. It's a, it's a <laughs> so good one. I can start signing off with it. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Um, well, the, the next one that I have on here is uh, regarding Margie. We're jumping ahead just a little bit to season 17. 
uh, where Marge hits her head. She has amnesia. She can't remember who her family is or anyone for that matter. Um, a really good episode in a season that I think is a tad underrated. Um, do you remember anything, anything funny about this one? <laughs> anything funny. I remember having a lot of fun with Homer climbing around the, the, under the restaurant with the water. Um, <laughs> and I thought we had some really funny physical stuff in there. And, uh, this was one of the episodes back before we went to digital, I would usually do like one storyboard, one of the acts. And that was one that I did. I, I storyboarded the act where she, uh, is in the speed dating. Mm, good one. And that was really enjoyable. And, uh, so I, I remember, um, it's, it's just, it was, so, it's so long ago to me right now, <laughs> but I just, I remember having a lot of fun storyboarding that act. And, uh, we, we, we were just starting to really get into, um, using more interesting sky colors. Right. And I remember towards the end, we had a lot of like really beautiful sky shots. We we're using gradients. This was back when we didn't, you know, we did, everything was still hand painted. Right. So using a gradient was like a big deal. Yeah. I mean, the, the episode is really funny. I, I don't know if, if there's anyone listening that hasn't seen it. Uh, and it always kills me in the beginning when, you know, there's the whole scam with the spray painting on the street curb. And, uh, you know, this lady delivers the wrong mail to Homer. Oh, yeah. And uh, he, when he says, you know, on second thought, I am Brenda Wine Cooler. That always cracks me right. up so much. So a lot of really good jokes uh, in that episode. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, on the commentary, uh, you talk about the gradients a little bit and how that was sort of a new thing. Uh, I know, for instance, when I talked to Rob Oliver, he was saying he was actually you know, someone that held out for a little bit on that. He didn't really want to move to the gradients. Oh, interesting. So uh, it's interesting to hear that. Yeah, definitely. I, one of the, my favorite parts of that episode is when Marge hits her head because we were we – were, Doing it, it was a send up to the Clint Eastwood movie. Ah. You know the one with the uh, the the uh, Hillary Swank yeah. as the boxer. Yeah. Why am I forgetting the name of that? But I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, like <laughs> Fighty Girl or something like that. <laughs> something, something, something. Um, no, it's a it's a good one. There's some interesting direction. I like the I like when they see Sea Captain on Duffman's shoulders. Like that's all. That's really funny. Uh, some really good visual stuff in this one, and a lot of these. Oh, so thanks. <laughs> I don't even remember that see captain on, <laughs> on Duff Band's shoulders. Ah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm teaching you something, Michael. I also, good, uh, great stuff. I do think, I do think on the uh, commentary, they also credit Carolyn Amine, a uh, friend of the podcast, uh, for some of the speed dating jokes being from stuff that was actually said to her, uh, <laughs> at a speed dating thing. So it, everyone should go watch the commentary on that. I think that's really funny. <laughs> so, so the, the next one that I want to talk about is from season 21, uh, the greatest story ever dode, uh, where Ned invites the Simpsons on a trip to Israel, uh, in an attempt to bring Homer to God. And I have to mention, I don't know if you realize this, uh, Funko recently made a pop of Homer in that USA outfit. Did you know that? No, <laughs> they really did. That it just came out this year. Where can, can you send me an email with the, with the link to that? I got to see this. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty great. So it's, it's got Homer with his camera and all that stuff. <laughs> so we have, um, we had Sasha Baron Cohen on that. You did as the guest and who was just brilliant. He is, you know, he jumped into this, uh, you know, he, I believe he speaks, uh, Hebrew fairly well, or, you know, my, my wife speaks Hebrew and she says he's, you know, he's not necessarily fluent, but he's definitely has it under his tongue. 
And, uh, you know, <laughs> and a lot of his roles, he'll be an Arab and he'll still be speaking Hebrew. <laughs> wow. But, um, but this character was just, uh, we, we actually had this, there was somebody else, like probably one of our staff had, you know, one of our uh, voiceover guys did the original voice of him. And then they got Sasha Baron Cohen to do it. And so we ended up like having to like redo a lot of the performance, but it just, I mean, it just really rose. I felt like it really rose the episode up in a lot of ways. He was just like this really rude tour guide, but I did that show. I did that episode. And there was another episode where Flanders and Simpson and the Simpsons go to the grand Canyon that I also directed. So I've had a couple of, of touches with, with the Flanders going on vacation with the Simpsons, which I, I always love those because you know, that, that, um, that relationship between Flanders and Homer is just like the most, in my opinion, the most precious one in the whole show. Oh, ab- absolutely. But going, it was really, I, as a, I love doing these episodes where you get to go places. Like I did one where we went to Canada. I did an episode where we went to um, Copenhagen and every, and, you know, even the, the Grand Canyon one. And when we go into an episode like that, we really, I don't get to go there. You know, I don't get to, <laughs> to take a trip there. Um, but you know, you get to really kind of learn about these places, not just through the script, but when we're in the design process, we're really like trying to learn about like, what is the weather like? You know, when we did the Grand Canyon show, um, Matt Groening sat down with me and he was like, because he's been there. He's like, when you're at the top, the trees look like this. When you're in the middle, the trees look like this. When you're in the bottom, they look, they're different. And so he wanted to make sure that as I was going down into the canyon, that we were adhering to those rules, you know, that there was like an observation and which I, I love about Matt, like that he, yeah. he brings that, like he loves observational. If it's observational, that's one of the things I think that, that really um, resonates with, with people, especially like when we go, went to the Dome of the Rock, we're like really trying to have, when the, those people who have been there, they can recognize, oh yeah, it's like that. Oh, it's, it's kind of like right, that. You right. know what I'm saying? No, nah, that's, that's really great. Yeah. And I, you know, I mentioned, you know, a lot of these episodes, it's, uh, you know, like I said at the top, you directed a ton of episodes. So, uh, I had a hard time even narrowing it down, uh, to which ones I wanted to bring up. I mean, <laughs> the, anyone that, anyone that isn't familiar with some of the episodes that Michael's name is on, I mean, it's, it's, it's quite a long list. So, uh, everyone should should definitely be checking them out. Um, but you know, as, as far as that episode, uh, you know, there's like like with a lot of these, there's a lot of really funny visual gags. You know, from Ned's Jesus clock to <laughs> Homer's soda photos uh, to the Reformers. I think that's really funny. I love I love a Transformers gag. Um, so yeah, re- a really good one. I don't know. Yeah, I like when Homer falls into the uh, into the truck full of yarmulkes. <laughs> yeah, that's really great. Yeah, I, I recommended episode, and I'm I'm gonna make sure I shoot Michael that link to the uh, to the Funko because uh, that ha- definitely has to be on your desk soon. It has to be on your desk pronto. Indeed, <laughs> indeed. Well, the 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 last one that I have here is uh, a more recent one. It's season 31. Uh, one of my favorite episodes of recent seasons. Uh, Working Mom, written by Carolyn Amine, like I mentioned a second ago. Uh, and Robin Sayers, uh, where Marge starts selling Tupperware and is mistaken for a drag queen due to a big makeover. Uh, some really cool and unique character designs in this one. What was it like to to work on that one? Well, I mean, working with Carolyn is always great. I just uh, did another episode with her recently that's going to be the, the one that's coming out probably in May. And um, Can't wait. You know, Car- Carolyn really dealt 
like delved into this because like there's there's something a lot of fun with the whole drag community and i think she you know she got to know them and she you know it really showed in the script and her her like affinity towards that whole world it wasn't we weren't making fun of these no. we were we were celebrating it and it was Absolutely. Really, in a in a really fun way um and uh you know it it was just so like doing the song it with when she's singing it on stage with them and there's like the steam and all that stuff i just it, it, that was so much fun to direct we were just really anytime you we get to do a musical like a little musical vignette i'm not saying like a whole show but you get right. to do a little thing you get to like really change up the camera you change up the style a little bit and and just get into some real fun and and uh like I think we had Mel do a dead drop <laughs> on the, on the stage, like and it was just like really a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, I'm very, I'm very proud of that episode as well. Um, just funny, really solid animators working with me. Um, but yeah, getting one of the things uh, as a director that you that I find that drives me crazy about doing music is that when you're watching a show and you see it see it go by in two minute music segment you're you're free and clear you can go home but right. as a director i have to watch some of those scenes 10 20 30 times a day <laughs> so every single time there's a song in my show it it will integrate itself into my dreams oh i'm sure i'm sure <laughs> for days for days <laughs> and then when i see it again i'll be like oh it's back ah. <laughs> Well, I, you know, I, I put a bit of a spotlight on that episode because uh, one, I think it's really great. And like you said, it, it really does celebrate the subject matter of the episode. And, uh, you know, anytime, you know, I'm always singing Carolyn's praises. Um, and uh, I, I mean, she has so many good episodes under her belt. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like, you know, some people are less open to watching newer seasons. And one of the reasons that I do this podcast is to get people to realize how wrong that they are. And uh, so, you know, any chance I get to put a spotlight on, especially a current episode, um, I try to do that. So it's a really good one. Everyone should be watching it. Yeah, I, my <laughs> feeling about the whole the episode thing is I think um, for one thing, I think, you know, there's always been that like, oh, you know, after a certain season, it it's not the same. And it's like what people don't realize is that you're not the same. Right. That's why it's that's why it's changed. And it's not. The, the writing is just as good as it's ever been, in my opinion, sometimes better. And we've, we'll see. Sure. But all along the lines, there'll be a show that maybe you don't like or, or doesn't resonate with you. It doesn't mean the whole season. You can't give up on the season because there's going to be a couple of where you're like, I don't know. It wasn't there. But, you know, it's sort of like pizza. Even a bad Simpsons is still good. Oh, 100%. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And I always say, you know, I, I will take it. Uh, I would take The Simpsons at a low point uh, over most shows anyway. So you're not going to run, you know, no one's going to make me stop. It's like, do you stop liking your favorite baseball team because they lose a game? I just don't right. understand the logic right. uh, behind, you know, giving up on something you claim to love. Um, and in fact, I rant about this all the time on Twitter, especially recently. And uh, a couple people were saying like, yeah, you know, I meet people all the time that say, oh, it's my favorite show ever. Um, and then someone will say, oh yeah, yeah. I really like the current season. They're like, oh, it's still on. It's like, yeah. how do you say that it's your favorite show ever? And you don't realize that. I know, so, I know. Um, I'm calling all of you out right now. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Me too. I'm calling them out too. <laughs> Dang it. Yeah. Put, yeah, you, you gotta stop this. If I, if I see the, if I see the stop, he's already dead. Uh, Jeff, one more time, I'm just going to snap. 
So just stop it, guys. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you, man. I can't, I can't take it. Well, uh, so Michael, you know, a, a big part of the reason that I do this podcast and the reason I have the Instagram, the reason I have the Twitter, uh, it's my Simpsons collection. And, uh, I like to close these out talking a bit about merchandise. Uh, and I'm always curious to see, you know, people from the show, uh, you know, do, do you care at all about the merchandise since you started on the show so early? Were you buying or getting any Simpsons stuff, taking it home, putting it on the shelf, any of that? <laughs> Um, Mike Reese's book is on the shelf, which is uh, really great. <laughs> it is really good. Um, I, the special things to me, like I have, um, a, this is like a tabletop from one of the premiere parties. Ah, yeah. That see I that. Nice. And then behind that is a, a, uh, a letter on Simpsons letterhead from, um, Matt Grady thanking me for, great work on a show. Wow. And, uh, anything else pales compared to those. Two <laughs> um, but I have, I have my, I have some cells. I, I really love the, the animation cells. I love keeping those. Um, and, uh, I have a few toys here and there, but I'm not, I don't, I'm not really a collector. Do you, do, do you have a favorite cell that you've held onto? Um, really? I think that my favorite cell is, you know, back when we first started, when I first started directing, the um, directors would always get two cells from every show they directed. Mm -hmm. And then when we went to digital, that went away. But of course. I have to say my, my first show that I ever directed, um, I have a cell of Homer in with his butt in the painting at, at um, Burns's mansion in Man from mansion family. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, when he flies down the, the banister and he lands in, in the uh, Rembrandt. So good. <laughs> So that's, that's going to be my favorite. Uh, I love that. Could not have made a better choice. <laughs> no. And I mean, you know, cells are, are, you know, uh, they're going for a lot of money these days because they, you know, they're, they're gone. They don't make them anymore. Things are done yeah. differently. And, uh, I really do think that there's something special about that singular, uh, aspect of a cell. You know, each one is its own unique thing. And I, I think that that's why they're so special, which is why I find it so insane that shows used to just throw them away. They were garbage. You know, I've heard stories about people going cell surfing in the hallways and things like that. I just find that so oh my crazy, gosh. you know, I can't yeah. believe it. Well, especially with Simpsons, we never sell surf. <laughs> yeah. How could you? <laughs> These things are Maybe at Hanna-Barbera. Yeah. Some maybe of, at Hanna-Barbera they did that. Yeah. Some of that, <laughs> some of that garbage, maybe they did. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I can't imagine. And they were all drunk, by the way. <laughs> I mean, I feel like you would have to be. I mean, I, wanting to throw something like that away, I think, is just it's just madness. But, I mean, it's just, you know, that is something that, you know, as a collector, uh, I think it's all special. I mean, I think, you know, every little thing uh, from the show, staff gifts, you know, yeah. uh, napkins from a staff party, I mean, I would take all that, so... Uh, it's all, it's all great to me. It all needs to be cataloged, you know, one collector thing that will never get cataloged, which would have been amazing is w film Roman used to be, um, in uh, our building used to be in, uh, North Hollywood and it was like an older building. And at the, we were moving to a new place over by the, the, uh, Burbank airport. So we destroyed the place. <laughs> We, the, every artist, every artist, the hallways, we had drawings on the walls, the entire place. We just like drawings everywhere. These really creative, fantastic drawings. And, and any of those would have been like 
a classic to keep. Ugh. You know, a lot of like, you know, Simpsons drawings or original stuff. And uh, I know that I remember that after it was done, we went to the next building because they told us that they were, I believe that they told us that they were going to tear the building down. <laughs> so we were like, screw it. Let's yeah, have fun. Yeah, who cares? Yeah. You know, like we just, we, we tagged it. We tagged it. And then uh, about a week after we moved, I think we got word that they're like, they're not tearing it down. And they're very upset <laughs> that we painted all over their walls. <laughs> none of us went to jail. So yeah. Well, all, I'm, it's all a happy ending. Very, very thankful for that. I wish there were at least photos of some of that stuff, Michael. You're breaking my heart. I'd love to see that. There are photos. There are ah, photos. Well, I'm going to just send me some of those. I'm going to need to see those. <laughs> well, I'll have to, I, I don't have them. But I, I, I know I know some people who took some. Yeah, I would love to see him someday. Um, well, you know, Michael, it's it's been it's been awesome, despite uh, any audio problems on my end, to uh, to have gotten to you know hear about your experience of how you got into uh, animating. Period, and how you came to the show, and just some of the things that you learned along the way. And I want to thank you for uh, coming on the podcast and hanging out with me, man. It's been really really fun. You're very welcome. Uh, it was fun to be part of it, and uh, I enjoyed myself. Yeah. Well, hopefully we can do this again down the line. I'd love to yeah. have you back on. And I say that almost at the end of every episode, but it is sincere. And uh, yeah, I definitely, I definitely would love to uh, to do this again. So I'll be in touch for sure. With look that. me up. Well, before we get out of here, do you have any shout outs or plugs or just anything that you want to tell the people uh, before we wrap it up? Well, you know, I, I already gave a lot of people some props that I you know, really followed through, but I do want to give a prop to my brother um, who really helped me get into this whole thing. For, for a younger brother, he made quite a mentor. Um, and, uh, you know, all the directors who came before me, I learned a lot from all you guys. And just the fantastic uh, animation staff, Oscar Cervantes, one of my longtime ADs, um, and uh, Rob Oliver, of course, who's, uh, we've been together, we were together for many years as he was my AD, and now he's one of the most talented directors we have. Rob's amazing, yeah. And everybody else I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. Well, Michael, again, thank you, and uh, I definitely will be in touch. And as for me, as for my new friend, Michael Polcino, I'll see everybody next week. Bye. If you enjoyed this podcast, check out the official Instagram at Simpsons is greater than, or follow me on Twitter at Simpsons is great. If you're curious about me or my Simpsons collection, just search for Bart of Darkness on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks again for checking this out. I'll see you next week.